So we are continuing this series uh, today titled Great Joy for All, which has been our, our theme for this Christmas season. And so we will conclude this series tomorrow night uh, with the candlelight service. And so, like I said, we hope to have you come back for that. But as we have worked through this season and, and looked at the Christmas story and the different characters involved, the different parts of the story, um, we've been uh, focusing on this theme verse this year, which comes from Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And this is when, when the, the angel appears to the shepherds on the night that Jesus was born. And, and their, their reaction when the, the angels show up is one of fear. Right? And we saw, even when we looked at the Christmas story, uh, when we started this series, that even for Mary and Joseph, when God shows up and tells them what's happening uh, in, in this life and, and, and what, how their lives are going to change, they as well kind of had this reaction of fear. Of they weren't sure what was happening, and God shows up. And yet, here we see that the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And again, here the angel invites those shepherds and invites us to say, you can trade in your fear and receive joy. Right? You don't have to be afraid. When God is at work, again, you can trade in your fear and get joy. Now, there are um, lots of aspects to joy. And, and as we've, we've been working our way through this series this year to, to further define joy, and we've been looking at the different parts Right, that when all combined together equal joy. And as we've looked at all these different, different pieces, we've been walking along the Advent wreath and looking through that. Today, we, we light, lit the candle of peace. And when we light that candle of peace, this is we know, even within our world, it, you can just turn on the TV or listen to the radio for just a few minutes and know that our world is not at peace. Right? And, and yet, um, we serve a God of peace and that, that um, offers peace within our lives. And that even when we know that our world is not at peace, we, we have a God that is peaceful and that we can put our trust into, that God is in control, right? And that we put our trust in him who is bigger than this world. And so today, we're, that is aspect of joy we're looking at today is that joy needs trust. And when we look at, again, the the, the Christmas story and realize that, especially for Mary and Joseph, when the angel shows up and says, hey, you have been chosen to parent the Messiah. We can imagine, again, their reaction, as we saw, was one of fear at first as they were reassured, like, you don't have to be afraid, right? God is with you. You have been found in favor of God. It's why he picked you. And yet there were many times throughout the Christmas story where I'm sure they questioned what was really happening. Are we doing the right thing? Right? Are we on the right path? And when we look at the Christmas story and all of the parts of the story that we celebrate at Christmas time, right, from the angel appearing to Mary, and then we know how long a pregnancy is, right? And that time from when the angel first appeared until, until she gives birth, and then they, they give birth, and the, the shepherds show up, and then there's another period of time, again, that, that, that between that they stay in Bethlehem from when the baby's born until the wise men actually show up. And then when the wise men get there and they give them the gifts and then, they, then, then the angel shows up again and says, by the way, now you've got to leave Bethlehem. And they flee to Egypt, right? And through the, the, because of the threat of King Herod and as the wise men said, hey, a new king has been born and Herod was, was threatened by the idea of another king. 
in his kingdom. And so they had to, the, to flee and to leave. And then they stayed there until God shows up again and says, now it's, it's safe to go back. And they finally end up back in Nazareth. Okay, and this whole timeline of the Christmas story, right, again, if we follow it through the biblical timeline, was somewhere between three and three and a half years. And it's, it's, again, it's easy for us to put all the figures in the, in the uh, nativity scene and to celebrate it in this one, you know, small time of year. But yet, the truth is that this Christmas story was spread out over years. And I, I, I know there were times throughout those, those, those events of the Christmas story that Mary and Joseph were sitting back and saying, are we really doing the right thing? Right? Do we, do, do we trust that God is at work? even in the times of silence, even in the times of struggle. And yet, as we see that, Mary and Joseph obviously trusted God throughout this process and throughout this time as they fulfilled the purpose that God had given them to parent the Messiah. And now as we think about this, this whole idea of trust and, and how do we understand what God is really doing, it's, it's one that we can identify with Mary and Joseph about when there are times that we're not sure. Are we going in the right way? And what am I supposed to do? Um, and, and today, as we look at this idea of trust, I want to, to um, look to the story that is found in John chapter 3. Okay, and this is a story of when a Pharisee named Nicodemus comes to Jesus uh, with some trust issues. Okay, so uh, if you have your Bible with you, I, I invite you to open with me to John chapter 3. If you don't have your own Bible or don't have it with you today, there are Bibles provided for you in the seat pockets. We'd love to have you use one of those. And you'll notice um, on the outline are the page numbers of where you can find these, this passage in those Bibles. Okay, but as we look at this, this story of Nicodemus, okay, as he interacts with Jesus, okay, um, Jesus um, he encourages him through this interaction to trust him, okay, at, at what was happening. So, yeah, we're going to pick up this story, John chapter 3, uh, starting at verse 1, okay, where it says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man come back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. You... So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, and just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. And then Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. 
And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light, so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. Again, we're going to stop there as this story um, concludes with this explanation of Jesus as Nicodemus comes to him with all of these questions. Okay, and yet Jesus is encouraging him, saying, hey, you can trust me. Just trust me. I understand you don't understand what's going on, but trust me. And so which is the first lesson we can learn from Nicodemus is that we can trust Jesus when we are confused. Okay, we can trust Jesus when we're confused. When we're not sure what, exactly what's happening, we can trust Jesus. Again, Mary and Joseph were not exactly sure everything that was happening. Okay, or if they were on the right path, but yet they trusted him. Now, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, okay, he comes to him and, and, and then he kind of introduces himself, right? And he kind of starts to, he, to butter up Jesus a little bit. I mean, he gives him this... Um, this compliments, right? Like we know you're God because you're doing these miracles, but he's kind of leading into this, this question of the reason that he comes to Jesus. And yet Jesus kind of stops him in his introduction. Okay, and, um, and then he makes this matter-of-fact statement in verse 3, okay, where Jesus says, he, he tells him, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And now Jesus makes this this matter-of-fact statement, right? And he just says it. He's like, hey, Nicodemus, I don't know. I mean, why you really came, let's put that aside. I'm just, I'm going to tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you cannot be enter the kingdom of God. And then we see Nicodemus's uh, reaction to the statement that Jesus makes in verse 4, right? Where Nicodemus starts, I mean, he questions Jesus. And he says, what do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Now, as we read the story, as it's written in Scripture, we don't get the tone of voice. We don't get the, the, the different exchange that's happening between Jesus and Nicodemus. But as I read these words, is I, I read these with kind of a sense of sarcasm in Nicodemus. Because remember, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Right? He was at the top of the ladder when it came to religious leaders of the time. Okay, in fact, Jesus identifies him as a teacher of religious things later in the exchange. And yet Nicodemus comes to him, and Jesus makes this, this statement in verse 3, and then he responds, you know, with one of, of, I believe, arrogance. Right? Of like, what do you mean, Jesus? That's ridiculous. We all know that that can't happen. Are you kidding me? Again, he comes to him, and as Jesus makes a statement, he just becomes more confused. 
Right? And then it leads into, in the next verse, in the next few verses, in verses 5 through 8, then Jesus explains further what he meant. Right? And he goes into this explanation right, about human birth and spiritual birth and, and being born of water and born of the Spirit and, and all these things. And then he concludes this teaching to Nicodemus with verse 8, where he uses this illustration of the wind. Right? And, and he's, he, again, he tells him in verse 8, he says, the wind blows wherever it wants. Right? And just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Again, he's telling him, he's like, hey, God's Spirit works in mysterious ways, in ways that you are not going to fully understand. Right? And again, we, we, we know the mystery of the wind. And this is, he says, like, again, as humans, we, we see the results of the wind. We know when it happens. But yet we have no control over when it comes, what direction it goes in, how strong it will be, or what it, it accomplishes or destroys as it moves. Right? We have no control over that. Now, again, even in our modern technology, we can watch our weathermen. They can study and they can try and predict the way the wind is going to move and where the weather comes in. But we all know that they're wrong more often than they're right. Right? And yet, we still listen to what they say. This is, this is an odd thing. But anyway, that, that, that's a different point. Um, but the point being is that we, we don't know. Right? We have no control over the wind. And God is telling Nicodemus, he's like, you're trying to, to figure out how God's working, and it's, it's not going to happen. Is that sometimes you just have to trust. He was inviting Nicodemus to say, you're not going to figure it out, just trust me. Because the truth is, Jesus came to earth. And at this time, why Nicodemus even came to him was because Jesus was completely changing the entire religious landscape of that time. Right, the, the, the structure and, and the way that, that, that everything was going through the old sacrificial law and the, the, the old covenant that, that God had made with Abraham and all of those things, Jesus came to fulfill the first covenant and to bring in the covenant of grace. And Jesus is telling him, he's like, hey, God is at work. I'm flipping this whole world upside down and you, you're not going to understand it, but trust me. Right? I know you're confused, but just trust me. He was inviting Nicodemus to trust him. And then we read in verse 9 is the next response in this, this interaction, this exchange between Nicodemus and Jesus. Now, I, when we read verse 9, again, as, as Nicodemus says, how are these things possible? Again, as he comes to find clarification, he's just getting more and more confused. But yet, I read that response in a very different tone than verse 4. Right? This is where he's starting to understand. They're like, hey, this Jesus guy, he's given me what I need to know, but yet it's not what I asked for. Right? And, and there, there's a, a way more humbleness that comes through this response. Right? And as his tone changes, okay, so does Jesus' tone. Okay, now when we realize this humble tone of Nicodemus, okay, again, think about Mary and Joseph within the Christmas story. Okay, there were likely many times and throughout those three and a half years, that experience that didn't make sense to them. Again, after the wise men show up and they bring in the gifts, then all of a sudden, you know, Joseph has a new dream and says, hey, by the way, you need to get out of town tonight and go to Egypt. 
Again, if, if I had that dream and I was supposed to pack up my young family and leave the country at, at that moment, I would have some questions. Right? And yet Joseph got up and he went. Right? Again, he was probably more confused at why they needed to leave in the middle of the night and flee the country. But yet he did it. He trusted God and he led his family to Egypt. Right? And, and again, God is, is now through this exchange with Jesus is inviting Nicodemus to trust him even when it doesn't make sense. And again, as this tone changes, okay, then we see the next lesson we can learn from Nicodemus and that is that we can trust Jesus when we fall short, when we don't understand, when we don't fulfill everything that we need to do, we can still trust Jesus. Yeah, we see again, like I said, as, um, as, as Nicodemus's tone changes to one of more, more humbleness in this interaction with Jesus, right, Jesus's tone changes as well, because then we see uh, in the next verse, in verse 10, when Jesus replies to him, right, he says, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. Again, I think these words of Jesus had a little more bite to them. Right, these words of Jesus was where, where he starts in on this lecture to Nicodemus, right, to this, um, this calling him to a different place, this, again, almost a parental scolding, right, of like, Nicodemus, we've been over this before, and yet you don't get it. You are a teacher. You're supposed to be teaching other people about the things of God, and yet you don't even get this. And this is very foundational. Again, and this now, verse 10, is, is the transition to where now the rest of this story is Jesus going off on Nicodemus in this Jesus rant. And, and as, as we read these stories of Jesus, and he's explaining these, these complex spiritual concepts to this religious leader, Hey, then in the middle of this rant, and again, I'm, I'm kind of glad I wasn't the, the recipient firsthand of this rant from Jesus, but yet in the middle of this rant is the most, one of the most popular, most memorized and familiar scriptures of the entire Bible, okay, which is John 3.16. And, and the reason why it is that way is because in the middle of this rant, Jesus summarizes the entire covenant of grace and gospel message in this one verse, okay, which is why we memorize it, and we, when we talk about it, and we, we know it so well, because John 3, 16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Again, that is the mission of the Christ child, right, and in the middle of this of this lecture, of this rant by Jesus that Nicodemus is, is the focus of, is the most loving words that you, we could ever hear from God. He loves you, Nicodemus. He loves you so much that he sent his son into the world to die so that you can believe in him and not perish. Again, now this, this parental lecture that, that Nicodemus is receiving from Jesus suddenly turns into a loving invitation. And as Jesus, again, is explaining to these, these things to him, okay, again, there, there are times when, when God has to explain things to us. Right? And through this interaction, again, we, 
And we don't really know because John doesn't tell us in the story. We, he never resolves the story. Right? He doesn't tell us how Nicodemus responded to this lecture. Right? Jesus has the last words in this exchange. And yet, I know as Jesus explains to him things that he couldn't understand, I realize that even for myself, through my own spiritual journey, there are times when God has had to explain things to me over and over again. And things that I couldn't understand that God had to help me understand. And yet, the conclusion then of this rant of Jesus is we learn the next thing about trust, and that is that we can trust Jesus to bring us into the light. And that was, again, the lesson that he taught Nicodemus. He said, again, is, as, as he concludes it with these, these last verses, verses 19 through 21. Now, before we read those verses and look at those lessons about the light and what that means, we first need to realize that John, as he writes this story, was very specific about when Nicodemus came to Jesus. And I don't know if you caught it when we first read the story, but it says that he came to Jesus at night. He came to him when it was dark. And again, I'm sure there are lots of reasons by that. One, he was a Pharisee, right? He's a religious leader. And again, the, uh, Jesus was very polarizing to the religious leaders at this time. And so, one, he did not want to see, be seen by all of his Pharisee buddies, right? The fact that he was coming to ask Jesus a question. Okay, and so he came at night, and he came, you know, kind of sneaking up to Jesus, and then, you know, then gets this interaction, right? And, and then Jesus, in the, in, the, in the dark of the night, invites Nicodemus to come into the light, and when we think again this Christmas season, and, and one of the big traditions we have of this Christmas season is to, is to light up everything, right? We put lights on our tree, we put lights on our house, we, we light candles, we do all these things, and that's a part of the ceremony of Christmas, right? Is the fact that the light is entering the world through the Messiah, right? And Jesus, again, invites Nicodemus at this time to come out of the darkness and to move into the light. And that's, again, what he tells him here in verses 19 through 21. Okay, where he says, And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see what they are doing, what God wants. Light and darkness, right? And Jesus makes this, this illustration between light and darkness. And this, is, this is, is an illustration that we see all throughout Scripture, right? That light represents holiness and good, and dark represents sin and evil, right? And Jesus is inviting Nicodemus and inviting us to say, come out of the darkness, Right, through the power of the Messiah, through him living a sinless life, dying on a cross, rising on the third day, receiving him as your Savior, you can have your darkness taken out of your life, and you can come into the light, and you can live your life in the light that comes from God. In fact, we just finished you know, this study about Revelation in the end times. In fact, that's when we read at the end of Revelation in heaven, right, is what is the source of light in heaven? It is God himself. 
right? And that light, again, through the Christ child, came down from heaven to light into this dark, evil world. And so Jesus, again, gives Nicodemus this invitation. Right? And then, again, we have this abrupt ending of this story. Okay? And then um, John moves in through the gospel into this next story, which is about John the Baptist. Now, even throughout the Christmas story, the story of John the Baptist is intertwined with Jesus' life all throughout the Christmas story. Not just the Christmas story, but then as well as his whole earthly life. Now, uh, with that said, was John the Baptist, again, he was, um, he was born just months ahead of Jesus. His role was to pave the way for the Messiah, right? And, and again, he went and he baptized people with water. That's why we know him as John the Baptist. Now, this is a different John than wrote the book of John. Okay, John was a disciple that wrote the gospel, but now John the Baptist, okay, was a different John. Okay, and now we see, again, John the Apostle in his gospel continues to, to tell us the story of John the Baptist. And we move from this interaction with Nicodemus straight into this next interaction with John the Baptist. Okay, and this is where um, the spotlight is moving from John the Baptist onto Jesus. Okay, and, and during this, this, this exchange of of stardom, so to speak, right, is some of John, the Baptist's disciples come to him, and they're like, hey, John, this Jesus guy is stealing all of your spotlight. In fact, everybody who cared about you before as you were baptizing them, now all they want to know about is Jesus. They don't even care about you anymore, and they come to him with this exchange. It's like, don't you care? Like, basically, they come to him, and like, you got to do something about this, John, right? Like, you're I mean, your PR is going down, and it's going down fast, right? And they come, and then this is the reaction then through these, these next verses in John chapter 3 that John the Baptist tells his disciples, okay? And that's in verse 27 through 30, okay, where he says, Then John replied, No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. And he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Again, and John, again, is one of the final lessons that he teaches his disciples as he passes the baton on to Jesus. Right? And again, and rightfully so, he says, hey, the spotlight's not supposed to be on me for very long. Right? And I'm going to trade this off and hand it off to Jesus. Right? And, then, and therefore teaches us the last thing we can learn from John chapter 3 about our trust in Jesus. And that is we can trust Jesus when change is needed. We can trust Jesus when change is needed. Now again, change happens in our world all the time. In fact, the only thing that doesn't change is the fact that everything's always changing. But yeah, that's the only thing that doesn't change. Okay, and when we realize that and we know that, yet we understand and we all know that change is not easy and that change can be scary. Right? And yet, we can trust Jesus when change is needed. Right? In fact, Scripture tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that there is a season for everything and every activity under heaven. 
And again, God's telling us even through that passage, right, that change is needed, in fact. Because without it, you cannot continue to journey and grow in your, in your life and in your faith. Right? Because, again, we are invited, as we're invited into the light, we're invited to get more closer to the light every day as we journey in our faith. God tells us, don't stay put. Right? You have to keep moving. You have to keep growing. Right? And we see here John the Baptist, again, was growing in his life and in his faith journey and about what, again, his role was. And then we come to the conclusion of this this teaching, right, as, as John the Baptist is, is literally passing off the light from himself onto Jesus, then he tells his disciples uh, in verse 30, which is the second most famous verse out of John chapter 3, and that is, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. And therefore gives us, again, this concept, right, as John tells him, it's like, hey, everything is changing, and I get it, but you know what, it, is, it needs to change, because notice, what does he say right before he makes this statement in verse 29, right? He says, because therefore I am filled with joy at his success. Again, we can trade in our fear of change and receive joy for that. Again, what was the source of John's joy in this moment? The fact that I get to pass the baton onto Jesus. Right, that my season of this public ministry and everybody caring about what I have to say is coming to an end, and that brings me joy. Right, that even in the midst of change, we can trust Jesus. Again, this is a verse, John 3.30, that, that one that we need to constantly be reminded of. Right, because this same concept is true within our own faith journey, as it was for John. Right, that the more I walk with Christ, Right, the more I journey forward in my faith, the more Christ needs to be prevalent in my life and the less about the, the life's about me. Right, and the, as I continue to journey forward, I'm more like Christ tomorrow than I am today. He becomes more and more. I become less and less. You know, there's, uh, again, in our, in our culture right now, there's a clothing company that was started in, in Hawaii. Okay, and this, this clothing company and brand was started on this verse because of this verse. Okay, and their logo is, has started to get all over the place. Okay, again, as I show it to you, okay, this, you might have seen this logo somewhere before. Okay, like I said, this is a clothing company that started in, in, in Honolulu in a brand. Like, I literally saw this on the back of a truck yesterday. Okay, this logo. Now, again, you look at this logo. This logo, like I said, is John 3.30. Right, is, is he, the capitalized he, Jesus, the greater than sign, and I, the lowercase I for myself. He becomes greater and greater. I become less and less. And again, I'm so excited that this company is being very successful and their logo is getting put all over everything in our culture because every time I see it, it reminds me to keep journeying closer to Christ, right? To keep moving, right? And so again, when you see that logo or anything, it just reminds us the fact that we can trust Jesus, and that what, is he, what he's doing in our life is, is good, and it's moving us forward. Even when we don't understand, even when we're confused, even when we, we, we don't get it, even when we don't like the changes that are happening, I can trust in Jesus and know that he is in control. Know that, that the, the gift of the Christ child is still at work in my life. 
that more light is coming in from the light of who God is and is transforming me to be more like him. And during this Christmas season especially, as we celebrate these next few days with our friends and family, right, and even as we continue to celebrate as a church family tomorrow night and we come in the candlelight service, and again, that's, it, that's part of the ceremony of what we're talking about, right, is the light is entering the world. And as we do that, please know that, again, we can trade in our fear for joy. And a part of that joy is that I can trust that what God is doing is the right thing. And then I'm on the right road. So which brings me then to my final thought here this morning, and that is this, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding, but seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. Trust in the Lord, and he will light up your life. Hey, again, I hope that you've trusted the Lord is your Savior, that you've received him as your Savior, that you've invited him into your life and, and confess your sin, that you've received the gift of Christmas, of the Christ child. Right? And if you have, I hope that you'll continue to journey him, that he becomes greater and I become less. Lord God, that is our prayer this morning, Lord, that you would guide us to the perfect light. God, we thank you for this Christmas season, Lord, that we are reminded over and over again that you are the light of the world. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you sent Jesus, God, that the light of the world put on flesh, God, lived a sinless life and died on a cross so we could be saved. We praise you for that today. And God, especially through these next few days, as we celebrate together, Lord, this Christmas holiday, God, help us to be a source of light in this dark world. God, that we will have those conversations about who you are with our friends and family and our neighbors. God, that we would shine your light through all that we do. Lord, guide us this next week as we celebrate the gift of the Christ child. Lord, and bring your light into all we do. Guide us as we go in Jesus' name. Amen.